We witnessed the most incredible division round in the history of professional football over the weekend. Every single game delivered. Which teams punched their tickets to the conference championship games? It's the Locked On NFL Podcast. I'm your Monday host, Bo Brock, and we're breaking it all down. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. On NFL Podcast. I am your Monday host, Bob Rock, daily host of Locked On Arizona Cardinals. Make sure you follow along on Twitter for great daily content at Locked On Network. Not only the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, MLB, all your favorite college teams, your one stop shop for all that great insight and info. At Lockdown Network. You can also follow me at Bob Rack. Easiest way to find me, Bo Brock. Also, subscribe to our new Lockdown NFL YouTube page. We have four interviews from today's podcast up and available to you. Thanks for making the Lockdown NFL podcast your first listen the entire 2021 NFL season and now the 2022 playoffs. An absolutely electric weekend of football. That's what we witnessed. Your NFL Final Four, it's set. The NFC will run through the NFC West as a pair of division foes, the Dallas Rams. And San Francisco 49ers will square off for the third time this season. How they got there. How they beat a pair of surefire Hall of Fame quarterbacks to get to the conference title game. And what's the future hold for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers after the L's? As for the AFC, the Cincinnati Bengals will visit the Kansas City Chiefs. How Patrick Mahomes outdueled Josh Allen, and how Joe Burrow went on the road and beat the top team in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans. Let's get into the action that kicked off on Saturday. The Bengals eliminated those top seeded Tennessee Titans with a 19 16 win in the AFC divisional round. Cincinnati to its first AFC championship game since the 1988 season. The Bengals move on thanks to Evan McPherson, the rookie, knocked through a 52 yard field goal as time expired. That's going to be a theme here on this podcast. Ryan Tannehill threw three interceptions in the loss for the Titans. A.J. Brown caught five passes for 142 yards and a touchdown. He was an absolute stud. And Joe Burrow completed 28 of 37 passes for 348 yards despite being sacked nine times. Titans quarterback Ryan Tannehill threw an interception to set up the game-winning drive. Tannehill on that costly pick. You know, tried to uh, try to get him in there as he came back to the quarterback. Uh, just to get us uh, get us across the 50 there. We had two timeouts and would have had a couple shots to get into field goal range um, to, to kick the, the game winner. Jake Lisko, of course, locked on Bengals, breaking down the big Saturday victory for Cincy. Jake, how does this team continue to change the narrative that's kind of plagued this organization for as long as I can remember? Uh, you know, it's it's been going on for three decades plus but how do they continue to just kind of change it when there were some pretty good players in the last decade and a half that couldn't do the same thing? There's something about this team that's clutch. It's yeah. a clutch gene that the Bengals of Andy Dalton and Carson Palmer really since the early 90s haven't had in the same way. And you could even look back at the Bengals' previous Super Bowl appearances, both against the 49ers and both of those end in heartbreak. So for for Bengals fans, you hope the clutch gene continues, whether it's DJ Reader showing up to shut down Chris Henry or the offensive line finally protecting, it felt like, for a game 
field goal, field goal, game winning field goal, setting up touchdown or out pass to Jamar Chase. Fumbling my words there, pretty good, but mm-hmm. they, they clutched up at the right time. And I think that you know you credit Duke Tobin in the front office for spending on players in free agency for the first time in a long time for the Bengals. Those defensive players making a big difference, and you credit Zach Taylor who. Coming into the season was, I think, the leading odds getter and first coach to be fired for establishing a culture that I think really matters and a really tight knit group in that locker room. Yeah, also, and not not uh, not pointing you out, but Derrick Henry, not the late Chris Henry, former Bengals receiver, as you said, but uh, oh, sorry, bottled him up. Look, you know, we, we all we saw a lot of us have seen the the quote rookie place kicker Evan McPherson telling, uh, you, you know, the sidelines. Looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game before, before drilling his 52-yard game-winning field goal. Since he's a confident group, you know, does it stem from their head coach and Zach Taylor, or is it that quarterback Joe Burrow? We've seen him ever since he kind of got into the spotlight at LSU. He's obviously a very confident young man as well. I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the confidence probably comes from Burrow, but I think that McPherson just has it too. I think there are three guys on this team that have the innate confidence that really shows up. And I'm not saying that the other guys don't, but it, it's really apparent to me when you talk about Joe Burrow, and that one's the most obvious. If you've listened to Evan McPherson all year, which why would you if you're <laughs> not somebody who follows the Bengals on a daily basis, that's kind of been the guy he's been all year. He he knows when he hits it. He, he said he doesn't even watch the kicks. He didn't watch the kick go through. He knew when he hit it. You go back to the Green Bay game, and he got embarrassed because he didn't watch a kick that he thought he hit well that didn't go through. And and so there's a clip out there of him celebrating a missed game-winning field goal in that game. But yeah. he's hit now, I think, 11 from 50-plus, including the playoffs this year for a rookie kicker. And I think he's had that confidence from the beginning of the year. And the other guy is Jamar Chase, who is mm-hmm. the first rookie with two 100-plus yard receiving games in the playoffs and has just been a, another guy who... When they need it this year, in the big moments, he's stepped up and has been more than worthy of that fifth overall pick. Okay, let's get to uh, some of the the rocky stuff from especially the offensive performance. Uh, Joe Burrow sacked nine times, intercepted for the first time in five games, Jake. Um, How has this offense been able to kind of overcome all season long? Because he's over 60 sacks uh, this season. Joe Burrow has been sacked 60 times plus. How, how have they been able to overcome all season long poor offensive line play? It's been different stuff in different games. In, in the recent days, the pressure hasn't bothered Burrow. He's been able to deal with the pressure to create off script, extend plays. That wasn't the case this week. I think that this week it wasn't so much necessarily offensive linemen losing physically, although that was happening. I think that they had issues going on the road with crowd noise. You can see that. Burrow was breaking the huddle too late at times. We've talked about this on Lockdown Bengals quite a bit. Zach Taylor talked about he needs to get the plays in faster. And they were having a tough time communicating. So I think there were some miscommunication issues that led to one guy sliding the wrong way and letting free rushers come through. That happened in specific on a Harold Landry sack when he came through as a free rusher. And you can't have Harold Landry coming through as a free rusher through your B gap. And that's just a miscommunication issue. But you can see that nine sacks in a game is is where it really starts to impact your offense. And, yeah. and the Bengals' offense was not as efficient as it wanted to be against the Titans, taking sacks at inopportune times. But 
the the go forward is figure out how to deal with the noise. I think I think that that had a, a huge impact on this game. And another thing for Joe Burrow that's a learning experience for him is this is the first time in really in the last eight weeks. I would say that he's been confused pre-snap to post-snap. And I don't think that many teams left in the playoff field could do this. But Mike Vrabel's defense was not giving them what they were showing him. And without being able to use the hard count as a weapon, which he's done all year to gather information pre-snap, I think that that limited Burrow as well and caused some hesitation in the pocket. Because it wasn't all offensive line. A lot. I mean, the offensive line wasn't good in pass protection, but Burrow was holding the ball a little bit sometimes as well due to some post-snap confusion. Would you say it's worrisome or encouraging that we haven't seen this offense have a good performance in two playoff games? Well, I thought they were okay against the Raiders. They, they okay. had issues in the red zone, I thought. And again, they, they got down toward the red area against the Titans and had to settle for field goals. Otherwise, this could have been a, a bit of a lopsided game with the Titans turning the ball over three times. I, I'm not necessarily worried about it. I do think that the Bills present a novel challenge to the Bengals. They've at least seen the Chiefs this year. That They know what the Chiefs wanted to do to them on defense. They've seen that style of defense this year as well. I think that there's a clear formula out there, which is keep a body over Jamar Chase. Don't let Jamar Chase get behind you. Make Joe Burrow be patient. Try to Try to disguise things. But I don't think many teams can do that. So it's hard for me to harbor long-term concerns about Burrow. I think that the offensive line will remain a concern, especially the right side for the remainder of the playoffs. They'll have to continue to overcome it if they want to keep winning games. But the, the silver lining is the defense stepped up in a big way. Derrick Henry, thanks for correcting me earlier, was really bottled up in this game. The defensive line, which for some reason, Phil Sims in the CBS pregame show called the Bengals a finesse team, which coming out of the AFC North is a crazy thought to me. They had four guys that weighed 330 pounds or more active yesterday, and and they put them on the field together. The defensive line really did a great job at the point of attack, I thought, in the run game. So they showed that they can get wins in different ways, and that's something that they've done a few times this year. You go back to the Denver game, you go back to some games early in the season, and it's not always Jamar, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Sometimes they can win games other ways too. That's the misconception of drafting a wide receiver at fifth overall, probably, so. instead of going that offense or defensive line. It's going to end our insight into the big win, but you, of course, can get more and more insight all week long leading up to the AFC Championship game. Follow at Locked On Bengals. Listen to them free across all platforms, including their YouTube page, which is on fire right now. Jake, look forward to the coverage leading up to the game. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. The Titans weren't the only top seed to fall in the divisional round. The Green Bay Packers from historic Lambeau Field fell short despite not surrendering an offensive touchdown. How the Niners were able to shock the world on Saturday night. And Jimmy G was able to hold off speculation at least one more game that he could be on his way out of San Francisco. And what's up with Aaron Rodgers now that the pack season came to an end? There is no speculation about Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And if you have the New Year's resolution, like many of us do, to get into shape, Built Bar is your secret weapon. Make it a part of your plan because Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even a little better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Unlike most protein bars that are chalky, waxy, Built Bars are so tasty, they're even beating 
candy bars straight up in blind taste tests. And here's the cool thing about Built Bar. They're just as nutritional as they are healthy. Even though they're covered in 100% real chocolate, they contain just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. No nutritional benefits like the Built Bar. And if you're looking to save some cash in the year, we're going to help you out here on the Locked On NFL Podcast. Go to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. That's LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. It's using the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com for the best tasting protein bar on the planet. It's Bo Brock hanging out with you on a Monday edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked On Networks and you're subscribed to our brand new Locked On NFL YouTube page. Great daily content coming your way. Great NFL insight as we continue to march our way through the postseason. The San Francisco 49ers, they were in the second game Saturday night, taking on the top-seeded Green Bay Packers, and it was San Francisco eking out a 13-10 win in the NFC Divisional Round. The Niners are advancing to their fifth NFC Championship game since 2011 and their second in the last three years. San Francisco secured its victory thanks to a 45-yard field goal courtesy of Robbie Good as gold as time expired. Yeah, that's your second straight game that happened. The Niners scored their only touchdown after blocking a punt deep in Green Bay territory. Aaron Rodgers completed 20 of 29 passes for 225 yards. Was it his last game wearing the green and yellow? Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams each had nine receptions in the loss. Could be Devontae Adams' last game in a Packers uniform as well. We're going to talk to Peter Bukowski about that coming up here very shortly. Rodgers, he did say he was surprised how things ended for the Pack. Yeah, I mean, a little, a little numb for sure. Didn't think it was going to end like this. Uh, you know, disappointed in the offense. Ten points, obviously not enough. To talk about the performance from the game Saturday night, Brian Peacock from Lockdown Niners. And Brian, no offensive touchdowns. We were well aware of the record for California teams at Lambeau Field in January and December. It was 2-12. and 12. But how were the Niners able to pull it off on Saturday night? I have no idea. zero touchdowns on offense on the road against a hall of fame quarterback. Uh, And if you told me that they were going to score zero touchdowns on offense after one series, it looked like that game was over. Uh, But D'Amico Ryan's defense held strong the rest of the game. Uh, After the opening drive, the Packers scored three points and the Aaron Rodgers had 55 passing yards in the second half. So pretty unbelievable. D'Amico Ryans, he's going to get more and more interviews and, you know, he's going to be a head coach, whether it's this off season or next off season, it's pretty clear. And I, and I think his resume just absolutely grows leaps and bounds every single week with what we've seen him do against offenses like the Dallas Cowboys. And now the, the green Bay Packers and, and Oh yeah, a couple of times against the Los Angeles Rams as well. So the, what, what the 49ers are doing right now is, is almost, it's almost a destiny like feel because the game script couldn't have been less in their favor. And somehow they're able to go on the road and win another game as these road warriors have been for the 49ers. And it's pretty unbelievable. And Oh yeah, some, some special teams plays a role. And I don't know how a team is able to have the worst special teams in the NFL and, and have the best record in the league and be the one seed. Um, But 
we saw it rear its head in the playoffs for the Packers, and that was really the key. And really, one player—if I had to point to one guy—that really, you know, the, the a player you would never think in a pregame, a, a player's name we didn't mention all week long, and we haven't even mentioned much this season. Uh, and that's Jordan Willis. He had hmm. uh, the, the chop. Uh, the chop heard around the world is what I'm calling it. He uh, <laughs> it was a great special teams play. He chopped the the offensive lineman's arm so he couldn't get it on Jimmy Ward. Jimmy Ward cuts right through, blocks a field goal at the end of the first half, and then he blocks a punt, just rides the long snapper back into the punter, blocks a punt. It's the only seven points the 49ers got in that game, the only touchdown. So Jordan Willis alone was worth 10 points in that mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, it's it's really insane what the 49ers were able to do and how they were able to win that game because it looked much different than every other, you know, run the ball, play bully ball, control the clock type of game the 49ers have won this year. It, it's been an incredible run, Brian. I mean, it's, it, this team was three and five, dead in the water. We're pretty much saying, uh, you know, the bulk, I don't know if it's the Niners fan base, but everybody else saying, hey, just put Trey Lance back there. Let's see what the kid has. And they didn't. And then they go on and, and on this run since then, eight and two over that span. And they're winning games exactly like they did on Saturday night. I mean, in the season finale to get into the playoffs, they're down 17 nothing in that contest. They have to go to, to overtime against a very talented Rams team. You know, is this Kyle Shanahan's most impressive performance since he's taken over the reins as the 49ers head coach? Yes. Yes, uh, he's only had two winning seasons. He went to the Super Bowl last time, and I think this is already more impressive, even though they haven't gotten to the Super Bowl, and they do have a chance to do that next week, too. Uh, it's pretty phenomenal the way the team started and stumbled into the season. They were undefeated in 2019 for most of the year, so that that was a much different feel than this 2021 team was. And to put it uh, another way, last week during the wild card round, I was on a mountain skiing in Utah because uh, at the end of October, I decided to make plans because I didn't think there was any way the 49ers would be playing that weekend. And it turned out they were. And then I, I, and I got COVID because of it. So, uh, <laughs> but I battled through that just like the 49ers have battled and, and came out on top. And so that's where the 49ers right now are. And the, the coaching job, you've got to point to the special teams coordinator, Richard yeah. Hightower, who maybe even saved his job because the 49ers were, I think, 27th ranked in special teams this year. But luckily, they only were playing playing they only had to play one special teams unit and it happened to be the worst special teams unit in the NFL Packers this week so he might have saved his job and then you know the head coach who was the offensive coordinator in uh, in Kyle Shanahan and D'Amico Ryans this team's well coached and and we're seeing that right now and it's really wild to see this 49ers team come together uh, one last question for you and you can obviously find more insight on the big win Locked on 49ers, wherever you find podcasts free on all platforms. And of course, their YouTube page. Follow Brian on Twitter at BD Peacock and his, his co-host, Eric Crocker. Uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo, um, you know, 3-0 and in the postseason now. I, the, the stat was hilarious last week. He has more postseason victories than the than the Cowboys since 2000, uh, since the 1990s. Hilarious. But uh, he makes mistakes. That's you can't. You know, that's undeniable. But the win-loss record with Jimmy at quarterback for the Niners and without him, it's that's undeniable as well. What what is it? How how does he just how do they find success with him in the shotgun or under center? It's so hard. It's so hard to put a finger on. And I don't know what magic leadership sauce he's sprinkling over the locker room and over the team. There's something there they believe. Uh, with the path they've taken, they for sure now know that they're never out of it. They can climb out of a 17 nothing hole. Uh, they can score zero touchdowns on offense and win a game. It, it's pretty amazing. Uh, and Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, he's the numbers aren't good in the playoffs. You know he th- will throw the ball to the other team sometimes. 
and they're still winning games, but there there'll be periods where he's got this Drew Brees like efficiency, and sometimes it's just on a game ending drive where he get, gets him down there for a field goal. Uh, he threw some times in this game that were dropped, and maybe the 49ers would have had a lead in the first half, and it would have looked much different game script wise for the, the Niners. So there's times when Garoppolo plays really well, but you always know there's that you know the way I've always compared him to is like he plays like Drew Brees for a quarter, then all of a sudden he turns into Sam Darnold for a quarter or, or a drive even. You don't know exactly what it's going to be. And so you can't ever count on which one it's going to be, but you know he can do both. So you're kind of just on this roller coaster ride. It's been that way all season. It's been that way in the playoffs. But his teammates trust him. His coaching staff trusts him. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's got some sort of a clutch gene that I don't know if it's a real thing. I don't really believe in it, but it somehow exists and is happening and I'm witnessing it and he's got leadership and his teammates love him and believe him and he's tough and he's playing through injuries and they win when Jimmy Garoppolo's in there. And that's why we've nicknamed him Jimmy W on the podcast. And some of it's tongue in tongue in cheek because I'm not a QB wins guy, but they win with Jimmy Garoppolo in there. And look, maybe he's only just had to be better than CJ Beathard and Nick Mullins and the Brian Hoyers of the world. That's, that have been the 49ers quarterbacks otherwise under Kyle Shanahan. So how good is he? And is that scary for how good the 49ers could be with that ceiling with Trey Lance when he develops, which is why that's always a thing that's there. And it's going to start happening in 2022 still, no matter where the 49ers go, I think with Jimmy Garoppolo this year, even if they win a Super Bowl. But there's something to it. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what that secret leadership sauce is, but Jimmy Garoppolo somehow has it and they continue to win games with him no matter how many interceptions he throws. Jimmy G's secret sauce. It's essential listening, leading you up to the NFC Championship game wherever you find podcasts locked on 49ers. Of course, the Peacock and Williamson show. Great insight there with Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson. Of course, locked on 49ers on YouTube. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you, Bo. On the other side of that, the Green Bay Packers, the offense, couldn't it get it going in the second half? I mean, just 10 points overall, three points in the second half, and they were beat by a team that didn't score any offensive touchdowns. To talk about it, try to figure out what went wrong. Peter Bukowski, of course, locked on today, locked on Packers. He joins us here on the Locked On NFL podcast. Peter, um, before we get into this contest, Brian Peacock was telling me there was a little uh, extra on the line on this game between you and his co-host, Eric Crocker. And if you were to check out at Peter Bukowski, at Peter underscore Bukowski, you'd see how you lost the bet. Yeah, I I had to admit in front of God and everyone uh, that Jimmy G owns Aaron Rodgers. That was the deal. Uh, I was very confident that the Packers would win this game. Croc and I are... are, uh, our buddies and we have we have gone back and forth a lot on this, um, and I I have to eat it. I just have to take the L on this because that's what happened. The Packers didn't show up, and right. they became the first team to lose to a team that did not score in the final five minutes of a game where they were down four offensively. It had never happened in playoff history that that a team down four or more won a game without scoring an offensive touchdown. The Packers invent ways to lose in the postseason. Yeah, I mean, it's as, you, as you're picking up the pieces from this one, it's, I mean, obviously you said it's the first time it's ever happened. You're inventing new ways to lose. I mean, <laughs> where do you go from here? I mean, this is, this is part of why this is so gut-wrenching, and I talked about it on Locked on Packers um, today, and that is, I don't know, and I don't know that the Packers know, and, and a lot of it rests on Aaron Rodgers, but this was the team, Bo, Mm-hmm. You, you get Russell Douglas and you catch lightning in a bottle. You get Devondre Campbell and catch lightning in a bottle. You have 
Devontae Adams in the last year of his contract. You have Jair Alexander in the last year of his rookie deal before his fifth-year option. Who knows what the future of, is of guys like Mercedes Lewis. The list of players who might not be on this team next year because of cap constraints is long. And we don't know what the future of Aaron Rodgers. It wasn't like a year ago where you go, okay, if they just fix that cornerback position and maybe get one more guy who can just give you something offensively, they could be the best team in the league. Well, they were the best team in the league. And that still wasn't enough. And so that that makes you just sort of stand up and go, okay, well, what do you even do now? And And mm-hmm. I don't have a good answer for that. How does the organization, should the organization be more aggressive, try to take the lead on this? Because it seemed like Aaron Rodgers was the one that was kind of controlling everything going in the training camp. How should they approach, maybe just in your opinion, Aaron Rodgers and their roster this offseason? Well, I think they started laying the groundwork late in the year where where you start to hear the reports. The Packers think they're going to keep Aaron Rodgers. They think he's staying. Um, There was the report that they would franchise tag Devontae Adams if they could not reach a long-term deal, which at this point is a bluff. And the only people that that report is for are Devontae Adams and his representatives, as if to say, we want you here. We will we will move heaven and earth to keep you here and don't think you're going to go anywhere else. The Packers do hold the cards there, but they have to clear 40 million in cap space just to get to even. And then they have to get 20 million under to franchise tag Devontae Adams. So that is quite the Herculean effort. They've taken the lead in some ways. The, the trump card that Aaron Rodgers has is if he just retires, the Packers are in a world of hurt, financially mm-hmm. speaking. The only way this works for Green Bay is if he gets traded and, and reworks his deal as part of the trade or he reworks his deal. He's not playing on a 40 plus million dollar cap number in 2021 in Green Bay or anywhere else. So they have to get that figured out. If he retires, you accelerate that money onto the cap. It's dead. And the Packers are absolutely SOL. Two more teams left to punch their ticket to next weekend to play for conference championships. How the Rams were able to hold off the GOAT Tom Brady and how Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs outdueled Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills in an instant classic. NFL fans, it's Bo Brock with an incredible app for everyone who buys gas they need to know about. It's Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price of the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot, they're making as much as two, $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or e-gift card for Amazon or other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN. It's Bo Brock. Thanks for making the Lockdown NFL podcast your first listen every day. Big announcement you heard from Brian Peacock of Peacock and Williamson. The Peacock and Williamson NFL show podcast is going on the road to L.A., for Super Week, follow the Peacock and Williamson NFL show today to get the most comprehensive co- coverage of the big game. It's free and available on all platforms. The Rams took down the defending Super Bowl champions to advance to the NFC Championship. LA avoided a late collapse to beat the Buccaneers 30-27 to in the divisional round in Tampa. Rams dominated the first half, built a 27-3 lead midway through the third quarter. That proved not to be enough. 
as Tom Brady in Tampa Bay stormed back to tie the game at 27 apiece with 42 seconds left. Matthew Stafford would get the last laugh, driving his team down to the 12-yard line, setting up Matt Gay for the 30-yard game-winning field goal. Yeah, the third one of the divisional round. The Rams will now square off with the 49ers in the all-NFC West title game. To talk about it, the new host of Locked On Rams, Travis Rogers. Make sure you're following along on Twitter at Travis Rogers, and of course, listening to him free across all platforms, just like this podcast and on the YouTube uh, as well for Locked On Rams. Travis, uh, welcome. You know, Brady rallies the Bucks back to tie the game at 27 27 with less than a minute left. Stafford hits Cooper Cup on a 20 yard pass, a 44 yard connection that puts him in field goal range. Is this why they brought Matthew Stafford to LA? I think that's exactly right, Bo. I, I think that, you know, the Rams made it very clear during last offseason and really even before the offseason had started towards the end of the regular season and even in the playoffs that they did not think they were good enough at the quarterback position, that they felt like they were limited in what they were going to accomplish because Jared Goff didn't have the horsepower to do what Sean McVay wanted to do. Um, they paid a very high price to do it, and the Rams went out and won the division, and everybody went, yeah, cool, do it in the playoffs. They went out and beat Kyler Murray and the Cardinals in the playoffs, and everyone went, yeah, cool, but that's not why you're here. Jared Goff beat the Seahawks in the, in the wild card round last year. That's not why you're here. I've been saying it all week on Locked on Rams. I've been saying it all week on my show on ESPN LA that they brought him here to win that game, to go into a game where the other guy has a quarterback that is somewhere between very good to great, I think Tom Brady certainly qualifies, to go onto the road and match him play for play, drive for drive, to be able to create some things that he does on his own, even when other things aren't going your way, like, I don't know, four fumbles, to kind of come and find a way to win the game anyway, and that's exactly what he did. Obviously, Rams fans still want to go to the Super Bowl. Rams think that this is a Super Bowl caliber team. They went all in. But, yeah, you're right. They brought him here to win a game like they had in Tampa, and he did. Yeah, you mentioned the four fumbles. I mean, the end of the year was Matthew Stafford who had the turnover problem, and then he was the guy that was one of the few not turning the ball over on Sunday. Uh, Was he the reason they survived by taking care of the football? Absolutely. You know, I said it on the pregame show today when we were getting ready to do it. I I, I got two things. I, I, I said two things and one of them turned out to be spot on and one of them couldn't have been more wrong. I said that <laughs> if Matthew Stafford doesn't turn it over, I think the Rams are going to win the game. The second part of what I said was because the Rams don't fumble. The Rams almost never fumble the right. ball. They just they just don't. They fumbled four times today. But, yeah, I mean, (laughs) without him, because it wasn't just that the Rams put it on the ground for it. There's never a good time to do that, obviously. But the fumbles they had were backbreaking. You know, Mm -hmm. the the first one from Cam Akers towards the end of the first half, if if the Rams score a touchdown, that game's over. That game's 27-3 going into the half. And and even if Tom Brady is Tom Brady, that thing's probably not going to go your way. Cam Akers picks up that first down towards the end of the game. If he just lands on the ground, that game's over. They just they take a knee. They're out the rest of the way. Ball comes out. Cooper Cup, one of the most sure-handed guys in the world, fumbles in the open field. It was just it was just the weirdest turn of events. But Matthew Stafford never once looked uncomfortable. He never once had a, a ball that when he let it go, you're thinking, no, 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 no. He, he was just really good from the opening possession, was good all game, and then made those two amazing throws at the end to win it. So Sean McVay coached teams were 45-0 and going into the regular season finale. They, of course, dropped that one to the Niners. Uh, and at, they were leading, obviously, a pretty good margin in this game. Do they have maybe a finishing problem that's developing here? 
Well, it's a good question. It's something like you said, 45 and 0 with the lead at halftime until the 49er game. So it feels silly to say, so what are they now? 46 and 1. <laughs> right. So it's, it's, that's pretty good. If you said to me, Hey, you got a lead at half, you're going to 47 times, you're going to win 46 of them. I'd feel pretty good. But I, I think it's a fair question. Um, when Tampa cut within two touchdowns, you could feel them tighten up. You could really feel them start to have that, hey, we got to do something here. Um, they had, a, I think they had a 31 second drive at some point that was three yeah. and out. It was really quick. Um, it was it was telling. Um, I think they'll go through it. I think they'll get better. You know, this is the best of both worlds where you learn some really tough lessons, but you still won the game. You know, usually a lesson like this comes with you going home and you had to wait till next year. Um, uh, they still won the game. I, I do think that Sean McVay has gotten perhaps overly cautious against San Francisco at the end of the game a little bit today where all of a sudden, you know, they weren't trying to run the offense that they were running in the first half. But I, I think maybe a, a finishing problem might be a step too far. 47 and one sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, it's not bad. Not bad. I like those <laughs> odds. Uh, Travis Rogers, new host of the Locked on uh, Rams podcast. Make sure you're checking out for more insight from Sunday's big victory over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and leading you up to that NFC Championship game. A grudge match, Travis, with the 49ers. Actually, not a grudge match. I mean, the Niners took both games in the regular season, 2-0 and against L.A., uh, it, it's cliche, but the cliche exists for a reason. It's tough to beat a team three times. McVay, three and seven in his career against San Francisco. How can L.A. buck this trend next week? Well, yeah, you, I think you're right, Bo. I think it's one of those, yeah, it, it is cliche, but you're, how about six times in a row? Because that's what they've done. I mean, they yeah. beat them six times in a row. So there's a couple of games in there that, that are a little bit misleading. The fact of the matter is they're 6-0 and against the Rams in their last six tries. Um the Rams looked like the better team for the first half three weeks ago. What that means, I don't know. You know, we'll see. They still ended up losing the game, but I think they learned some things. I think that they finally had some success against them because prior to the first half of that game, not only had the Rams lost to the Niners a handful of times, they'd gotten pushed around in most of them. They didn't get pushed around in that last game. They they need to find a way to deal with Debo Samuel. He's he is their kryptonite. They've they've been pretty good at dealing with George Kittle since Jalen Ramsey has come over. They found a way to kind of get a matchup that they like right there, but they have no answers for Debo Samuel. I, neither did the Packers. So the Rams aren't uh, on uh, alone in that, but yeah, I, I think that if they can find a way to make Samuel, you know, human and not the best <laughs> running back in football or wide receiver or whatever, whatever they, they list him out on any given day, I really do like their chances. The, the, the fans will be a big part of it, too. We saw what happened yeah. at SoFi last time. There was a million uh, 49er fans in the building, and, you know, it's kind of up to the Rams fans how they want to respond to that. They, do you want to sell your tickets or not? And, you know, we'll find out in a handful of days. The uh, the road to the Super Bowl goes through the NFC West on the NFC side of things. Cannot wait for it. Can't wait for the coverage from you, Travis Rogers. It's going to be a great week of content on Lockdown Rams. And if three walk-off field goals weren't enough for you, the last game of the weekend was the exclamation point. It was the game of the weekend, maybe of the year. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs heading to their fourth straight AFC Championship game, and it was the outright duel between KC and Buffalo. They defeated the Bills 42-36 in overtime in Arrowhead Stadium. 
Mahomes threw an eight-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey in overtime to clinch the win. Mahomes threw for 378 yards, three touchdowns, ran for a score with 13 seconds left in regulation. He led Kansas City to a game-tying field goal. Yeah, 13 seconds. It took Dak Prescott 14 seconds to run a draw and run all the time off the clock for the Cowboys last weekend. Josh Allen, fantastic. It was a signature game for Allen and a loss for the Bills Passing for 329 yards, four touchdowns. All four of those TDs went to Gabriel Davis, who finished with 201 receiving yards. Allen had nine TDs in two games this postseason. The Chiefs will host the Bengals, of course, on Sunday in the AFC Championship game. On the talk about the Kansas City Chiefs win, Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs. Chris, some people are saying Mahomes, Josh Allen, they're going to be the new Manning-Brady rivalry, but... I don't remember Manning or Brady putting on a show like the 42-36 overtime thriller that we watched. 25 points in what, the last minute and a half? Just absolutely insane game. And I, you know, you watch that and it's it's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, the, you know, to be fair, and I take, I'm trying to take nothing away from the Bills, Kansas City should put this game away earlier. Uh, you know, a missed extra point, a missed field goal. Um, you don't expect that from a guy that deserves to go to the Pro Bowl, but probably never will as long as Justin Tucker's in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, at this point, uh, Harrison Bucker got the, got the job done when he needed to the most at the end of regulation, and Kansas City wins the game. Yeah, just uh, it's tough to kind of summarize how many big moments there were in this football game, especially as you mentioned down the stretch. But Patrick Mahomes matches Josh Allen with four total touchdowns. Where where does his performance rank in his already incredible young resume of incredible performances? I think it's way up there. But at the same time, you know, one of my friends, Tres Paler, who's passed away last year, and we miss we all miss him. Uh, one of his comments about Patrick Mahomes is when he gets in the playoffs. He has these moments of it's just over my dead body. And that's exactly what this game felt like to me. And it feels like that just about every single time he he steps on the football field in the playoffs. And yes, he lost the Super Bowl. But if you watch, if you go back and watch that game against Tampa Bay, he did things that I've never seen a quarterback do. He threw the ball when he was perpendicular. It's just you have to beat him. And he is probably the best player in the NFL. 84 points from this offense through two games this postseason. The defense, I mean, concern or the fact that KC isn't facing Josh Allen again, should they just play better next week anyway? (laughs) I think if you look at who they're going to be playing next week, the bigger question to me is, you know, is Tyron Matthew going to play? You know, he went out in the first drive in in this game, and he is a huge piece of this defense. And then you look at playing against Josh Allen, who is a phenomenal quarterback. I'll give him all the credit in the world. He played fantastic tonight, uh, and you know you're playing against one of the best offenses in the NFL. Uh, you're going to be doing that against Cincinnati again, but the difference is Cincinnati's offensive line can't block anybody, and I think that's really mm-hmm. going to play into things next week. I expect Chris Jones to have a big game, Jerron Reed, Melvin Ingram, and Frank Clark all to have big games next week. Last question for our guest here, Chris Clark from Locked On Chiefs, and I really recommend checking out Locked On Chiefs today on YouTube or wherever you find podcasts free across all platforms. A rematch, as you mentioned, of another thrilling game from earlier this season. The Bengals rallied past the Chiefs in that game. They had a walk-off field goal in regulation. What do you remember Cincinnati being able to do to pull off that victory? I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, Jamar Chase came to play. He had a fantastic game that game. He just took over. Uh, And, you know, I really... 
I hate being the guy that calls out the refs, but the refereeing in that game was just absolutely atrocious, and it cost Kansas City multiple times uh, where they had a stop on third or fourth down, and there's a penalty that's called that extends a drive for Cincinnati. And you, you just can't – when you're playing a game like this and you're playing an offense like that, you can't give them extra chances. And I think that's really what uh, that's going to come down to. So the question going into this game is going to be how healthy is Kansas City's defense? If they're healthy, I like – the matchups that they're going to have, they're going to be hosting in Arrowhead. They're playing at home. Uh, you know, they're hosting the fourth straight AFC championship game. They are very comfortable on their home home field. Yeah. yeah. Recapping it today on Locked On Chiefs. You got to check it out. An insane performance by both the Bills and the Chiefs. Chiefs don't give Josh Allen another chance in overtime. So Conference Championship Sunday is set for the NFL. Four teams will become two on the road to the Super Bowl 56 in Inglewood, SoFi Stadium. Rams will host the 49ers in the NFC Championship game as they look to become the second straight team to play in the Super Bowl in their home stadium in the AFC. The Chiefs host their fourth straight AFC Championship game, and they will welcome the upstart Cincinnati Bengals. Can't wait to see how this one plays out. Your guys, Ross Jackson, Luke Braun, they're going to give their insight on the divisional round that was, plus more on the coaching carousel and so much more from around the NFL. Thank you for making the Locked On NFL podcast your first listen. Now make Locked On Bets your second listen, your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, an expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Have a great week. I will talk to you next Monday. And we'll start to preview the Super Bowl.